Last week we talked about a prophecy about the Messiah in Luke or Isaiah chapter 11 that it's not as well known about the Messiah that that is a passage that we're as familiar with. But today for for this particular reading from Isaiah, it's a passage that when you hear it, you immediately think of the Messiah. And one of the reasons is John the Baptist and the interaction with Jesus makes this passage famous. Because the prophecy about Jesus and what he says about who he is when this prophecy is brought to mind is a messianic passage. And everybody knows that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into this world. And these are some of the signs that we see that the kingdom of heaven has broken into this world. Miraculous signs, healings. It shows the kingdom of God is here. Now it's interesting also that last week when we talked about the prophecies, we also read from Isaiah 40 and we talked about how that particular chapter refers to John the Baptist as well as Malachi. So there's even prophecies, not just about the Messiah, but about the one who would come before the Messiah, John the Baptist, to prepare the way of the Lord. And we know John the Baptist from even before his birth, just like Jesus. Because in Luke chapter 1, we see the prophecy about Jesus, and we see the prophecy of John the Baptist being born. Right around the same time. And then we see John the Baptist in his ministry. That when he begins his ministry, he calls out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's that preparing the way for Jesus to come. Preparing the way for the kingdom of God to be ushered in. And he uses the same word, the same phrase at the beginning of his ministry that Jesus would do at the beginning of his ministry, which is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They shared that in common. John also would be the one to baptize Jesus. And so we see his ministry continue. And John the Baptist would see the Holy Spirit descend as a dove and the Father speak from heaven, this is my well-beloved Son. And so you see all these connections with John the Baptist and Jesus and John being the forerunner and even at that point revealing who he is to John the Baptist. However, this latest picture we see of John the Baptist, he's in prison, and he's about to be killed. And when he's in this situation, we're not sure all that he was feeling. But his disciples are probably talking to him. And they're beginning to wonder what's going to happen to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist probably had a sense he was going to be killed. And what are his disciples going to do? And if Jesus is really the Messiah, is he getting on with his messianic ministry? Is he going to fulfill these prophecies? And so maybe John is looking for reassurance, and maybe he's looking for reassurance for his disciples, and maybe he's trying to get his disciples to then begin to follow Jesus. We don't know everything that's going on in their minds. But we do know that John the Baptist basically sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Now, have you ever thought that thought or actually said those words, are you the one? 
I mean, there are several times in my life when I began to think of this whole idea, several times in my life when I thought or even said, are you the one? And one such time that comes to mind is when I used to date before I got married. I would wonder, are you the one? You know, and even with Meredith, you know, I got serious. I was ready. I said, I'm ready. Just let me know. And she's saying, well, I'm not quite ready yet. And I'm thinking, I was convinced she was the one. She had to be convinced. And I think of other times in my life that asking, are you the one, might take a different tone in a different situation. Like, you the one? When I was in between college and seminary, I worked at Geneva College for a, a couple of years. And on April Fool's Day, I pulled a prank on everyone in the office. You, if you remember the old-style phones with the cords, they would plug into the phone like a jack. Well, I, went around, I got there early, and I went around and I unplugged everyone and slid it under the phone so you couldn't tell. And then when everybody arrived in the office, I started calling. And then I heard everybody out in the office area saying, my phone's not working. I can't hear anybody. Does your phone work? Does your... And they're all, I'm laughing in my office. So they knew who it was. So I went to lunch, came back to my office, and I found out later, someone in the office called me, and I picked up my phone, and there was caramel syrup on the speaker and receiver. And they all gathered at my door, and I'm looking at them saying, are you the one? Are you the one? So I can take on a different tone when you're asking or thinking about, are you the one? But we can be more serious as well. Like if you're going through some kind of health challenge, a life-threatening illness, or as I did about 15, 16 years ago, chronic pain, you're looking around for relief. You're looking around for healing. And you're basically asking in your mind, are you the one when you come to a doctor? Because you want relief. Because you want healing. So we all ask that question in various sundry ways in our lives. And you know, about 20 years ago, and it's hard to believe it's actually that long, the movie The Matrix came out. I don't know how many of you remember The Matrix. I don't know how many of you saw The Matrix. But depending upon who was doing the speaking, the enemies of this guy would call him Mr. Anderson. But everybody else who knew him would call him Neo. The name Neo means new. And everybody kept asking, is he the one? Was he going to usher in this new age, reveal that the matrix is a false reality and bring in reality? Gee, does that sound familiar? Make no mistake, science science fiction is sometimes, it's shrouded and covers the idea of scripture 
and even Jesus, that you can see through the science fiction. And so, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one? Because it's a dire situation, and they wanted to know. And maybe John the Baptist wanted to know. And what does Jesus do? He says, basically, look with your eyes and see. Listen to what I say. And what you're going to hear is about the kingdom of God coming. And what you're going to see is confirmation of that because the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the poor are brought good news. And they would all recognize that as a messianic passage about the Messiah coming. But let's look specifically at what the prophet Isaiah says. If you want to look in your bulletin, it's Isaiah 35. The first, the first aspect of the kingdom breaking in that we encounter, which we're going to touch on toward the end, the dry land and the desert, something all the Israelites would be familiar with. But then we come to this verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble, knee, feeble knees and say to those of a fearful heart, Be strong and do not fear. Jesus did that. He did that physically. When he healed the man who had the withered hand. When he made the lame man walk. Jesus did that physically. But he also did that emotionally. When people were questioning and struggling... He dealt with their emotions as well, because I believe in part that's what was going on with John the Baptist and his disciples. They're waiting, they're waiting to see if this Jesus, this Messiah, is going to usher in the kingdom the way they were expecting the Messiah to usher in the kingdom. And it wasn't happening maybe in their timetable, maybe the way they expected or wanted. You know what that's like? We are too sometimes. That it doesn't always happen the way we want doesn't always happen in our timetable. So they need emotional reassurance. But they also need, the people, needed reassurance in their faith. It's like the man who had the son that was possessed and would even throw himself into a fire. And the apostles couldn't deliver this demon. And the man cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And sometimes we need that. We believe, but we're struggling. We're struggling maybe because of the circumstances or situations or people in our lives. Whatever it is that's causing us to struggle. But we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And all of these aspects of strengthening the hands and the feeble knees and taking away our fear are the kingdom of God breaking into our lives that we desperately need. That's one reason Jesus, the Messiah, came. And when he comes into your heart, that's what you begin to experience. But then we go on to see exactly what Jesus answered, 
This is in verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Jesus, we know, healed blind people. And he healed deafness. And one of the most profound healings of those two is in John chapter 9, the man born blind. Because Jesus heals this man, and as the passage progresses, this man grows in his faith and grows in his boldness. He's been confronted by the Pharisees and Sadducees several times, and it finally gets to the point that the man born blind says, this is a marvel. Never since the world began has it ever been heard or said or seen that someone healed a man born blind. He knew his history. He knew his scripture. Enough to know that there's never been a recording of that. And what do the Pharisees and Sadducees do? They take offense. Their pride is injured. You don't know anything and you're trying to teach us? They threw them out. Threw him out of the temple. Modern day term, he was excommunicated. He would come to see the Messiah for himself. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus said, basically, you had the opportunity. And you think you see, but you don't really see. You're blind. So blindness and deafness really isn't exclusively about physical healing. It's about spiritual healing. That when Jesus came into the world, it wasn't just about our physical nature, which so much of what we do and what we're about in this life is about our physical nature. And Jesus ultimately is about our spirit, our soul, our salvation, and the transformation of our lives. And that's why when we hear this prophecy, the blind shall see and the deaf will hear. It's not just about physically. That basically showed that he was the Messiah, but it's about spiritually. We begin to hear the word of God. We begin to trust him. We see what he will do in transforming our lives, and we trust him. And we grow in the knowledge and love of him. And then we come to this last section that talks about waters breaking forth in the wilderness, the burning sand becoming a pool, thirsty ground, springs of water that links to the beginning. In this desert area, in this semi-arid area, where the Israelites would remember what God did when the Israelites were captive and brought them through the desert and provided water for them. And that they needed God to provide rain and water because they lived in such a dry place. That when they would hear about this water, it would truly be good news. It's God's provision. Jesus talked about in his first sermon about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because when we really understand why Jesus came, it's about transforming our lives so that we would live into that righteousness. Jesus would say, if you're thirsty, come to me. 
When the people were hungry, he would say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Why? Because in John 7, springs of living water were well up in them. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is what he's referring to, which is again the fulfillment of this prophecy. That it's not just about the physical world. It's about how our lives change and our hearts change because we trust in him. Because we know he's the one. It's not us. It's not anyone in this world. He's the one that can bring about that change. And touch our hearts and lives in such a way where we experience this joy that this passage talks about as it closes. The gospel reading, Jesus makes an interesting point at the end of it. And he basically says, John the Baptist, born of women, no one greater. Prophecy in Isaiah 40, prophecy in Malachi 3 about John the Baptist. How many passages in scripture ever prophesied about any of us being here individually? Corporately, yes. As believers, yes. But these were specific about John the Baptist. No one was ever greater. Born of woman. But those in the kingdom of God, the least in the kingdom of God, are greater. What's he saying? What he's saying is because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which John the Baptist did not experience, because we have experienced the cross and Jesus dying in our place for our sin and rising again, showing that he has power over sin and death. You want to talk about the Messiah and being able to do a miracle? He has power over sin and death in our lives and can transform our lives. So that we can know because we're part of the kingdom. That's a greater experience than John the Baptist was able to experience in his life. That's what Jesus is saying. You have the opportunity to experience greater than John the Baptist, the one who was totally sold out to the Lord because of the power of God working in your life. If you have doubts, he's there. If you have questions, open your eyes to to see and ears to hear. Come to the word of God and trust the one who came to fulfill the prophecies, the one who died on the cross for you, the one who rose again to show he has power over sin and death, and the one that can change your life. See, this season of Advent is about this Jesus who came into the world. That's the first. The second is when he will come again. 
And we get to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God that this only foreshadows. The joy and the peace. The total healing. Bodies that don't wear out. I'm ready for that. Is he the one for you? Let's pray. If you need evidence, it's there. If you need reassurance, he's there. You just need to trust him and follow him. Because he is the one. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to earth. Fulfilling the prophecies. From hundreds of years ago. For our sake. To help us to see the truth of our lives and the truth of the kingdom of God. To bring healing to our brokenness. To bring forgiveness to our sin. To cause us to experience joy and peace amidst the challenges of this life. Because you are the Messiah, you are the one who came into the world to save us. To help us to experience the kingdom of heaven. Lord Jesus, as we come in just a few days to celebrate your birth, help us to see the truth that our eyes would be open, that our ears would hear, that our lives might be transformed, that we might fully trust in you. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus our Lord, amen.